everyone we're back it's q and a and we have a special guest star with us today um fagatron also known as amy from the twitterverse hey welcome do you want to introduce yourself in any specific way you don't have to we just offer the opportunity well it just it just always sounds funny to like hear it said out loud you know it's like it's such a online word it doesn't even feel like whenever someone says it IRL or just over audio it sounds kind of surreal Fagatron yeah (laughs) she's at she's at basic Chanel on Twitter a good handle I think yeah I think more wish more people recognize me as basic Chanel than Fagatron (laughs) should we just call you basic yeah they call me that all the time Well, we'll 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 interchangeably do basic and yeah. um, Amy, but um, yeah, we're excited to have you on. I actually had the pleasure of meeting Amy IRL in New York a couple weeks ago, and eating had a, Popeyes chicken. Yes, we had a fun. Uh, we hung out with my. Um, my one IRL friend that I always joke around about my, my poetry park bard friend who Amy really liked. (laughs) Uh, Like she is like, she's literally mother. Like she really is. She is mother. She's for sure mother. And then we had a, we had some wine. Well, Amy had some wine because I'm still, I'm still doing my sober, but, uh, and then we went and had a rainy Popeye's date, which was fun. I know I'm obsessed with Popeyes as well. Every time I go there, I'm just like, and it's yeah, that and Chick Fil A like is all I eat when I'm in America. Um, a Chick Fil A is somewhat respectable. Like I'll allow you that Popeye. I mean, it, as someone who's eaten like a fair amount of Popeyes in his life as well, mm-hmm. but it's just it's so depraved. Yeah, it is disgusting, and it does make me like. <laughs> realize why there's like an obesity epidemic (laughs) it's like um but like the chick-fil-a thing i guess you got to reckon with the whole the gays you know it's homophobic you know (laughs) is that not a positive at this point (laughs) yeah yeah they need the gays need less the gays need less Yeah, it was a fun night. You were here because you actually were uh, working on a film with Pariah, right? Yeah, yeah, we're working on a movie. Um, It's, we're, like, shooting next month. It's um, about, like, kind of a lot of concepts that I feel like we'll probably discuss on the pod, like the distinction between AGP and HSDS transsexuals and kind of, it's basically just, like, a Sex and the City episode, but, like, we're trying to get at like taboo subjects that like I feel like the liberal establishment won't allow like comedy to do it anymore. Like you like in in Sex and the City, they were they were like happy to like acknowledge that someone's kink is weird. You know what I mean? Like there's a weird guy that does this weird thing, but now it's this like ultra sex positive like landscape, and it's like you can't say anything otherwise you like kink shaming. So like. 
the original Sex in the City like couldn't exist now and you can see that in and just like that you know like what is that show like yeah I'm excited yeah. I'm excited to see y'all's product and next time you come I want I, I Pariah is a controversial Twitter figure mm-hmm. amongst some of our AM Minds mutuals but I, I want to meet her I, she seems yeah. cool you 100% will you 100% will she's always around um, she does seem to get around a lot I will say that I don't I don't know how she does it I don't know how she fits everything in um but yeah she's a really lovely person I should tell the listeners that I'm actually ill. I don't always sound like this. I've just like got extreme <laughs> vocal fry because um I've been ill for like three days with the uh, the man flu, the tran flu. <laughs> <laughs> well, A and I have done the podcast uh, each of us different times, oh. sick, probably with COVID at least one of those times. So probably more more episodes recorded with one of us sick than like with both of us healthy so okay yeah we both well a ha- actually is a not unlike us amy he's not a de- degenerate he's an upstanding <laughs> father citizen so he has um he has like real reasons to be sick because he's around his own children and then i work with children so i'm often sick because of because of that because uh, children are just vectors of disease as we learned during the COVID pandemic, they decided that's what kids were. So, um, well, I'm excited uh, to, yeah, I'm excited. Your your film sounded really, meeting you is cool because I, um, I appreciated your, I appreciated hearing about the film because it brought into perspective some of the stuff that uh, we're gonna talk about today. Um, so I guess we could jump right into it because we'll just we'll 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 keep gabbing as time goes on. But can you, for our listeners, like define? I mean, I could do it too. But could you define AG, AGP versus HSTS? Because okay. I do think there's a big difference. So okay, so so like yeah, I guess like like very blunt. Just saying what those acronyms mean because I'm sure there's listeners who have no idea. Yeah, so for the. The crash course history on <laughs> um well a- AGP stands for autogynophile uh or person and HSDS stands for like homosexual or transsexual and I guess they kind of use the kind of language that they used back in the 90s like for instance like now most people's trans affirming people will say like a trans woman is a woman so I'm like a straight trans woman, right? In like modern speak. But back in the 90s, they would have said like, um, oh, that's a homosexual male who is like transitioning to being like a transsexual. So it's like a homosexual, um, an, AG- an AGP is like a heterosexual male who develops gender dysphoria because yeah, I guess it's like the love of himself with a vagina and I guess it can manifest in like all sorts of ways like cross-dressing etc like there's like behavioral AGP there's like stuff like wearing tampons and shit like it gets like weird I think there's like some that like get off to like knitting I don't know how extreme a lot of it is um obviously it's kind of weird and it's kind of like it's used as like a boogeyman to like 
a lot of like gender critical people try and say this is all trans women are AGPs, right? They say like um, Dylan Mulvaney is an AGP, but Dylan Mulvaney is more of the other kind, like the HSTS. It's like a feminine homosexual that just kind of just just kind of kind of wants to be one of the girlies, I guess. It's like <laughs> yeah. My understanding from everything I read is that the difference is, and it does seem like a lot of the gender critical people on uh, Twitter, of which A and I have a, and you too have a lot of friends who are in that camp. So <laughs> we we know we love you. What? Lots of the turfs. We love you. Yeah, <laughs> lots of turfs in our in our friend group. <laughs> as well so i feel like is, is that slur now i feel like i can say it it's like honestly I say, you- I, say, I say all the homophobic slurs so i feel like i should be able to say turf oh you can say turf and faggot and everything on here there's no uh there's no uh off limits really um but yeah no i am um, my understanding is autogynophiles are like men who are aroused by the idea of themselves as women and this seems to be what a lot of the conservative turf like uh discourse focuses on because these are people who have like a sexual fetish Mm -hmm. as opposed to homosexual transsexuals which again are just like it's kind of like following homosexuality to its uh, extreme end in a way and i've always I think that I've been uh, defensive, like with some uh, friends of the pod, like Basil, who I know that you talk to too, and other people, because I've I've always felt like there's a distinction, and and like being part of like the party culture uh, at one point, like you know, gay party culture at one point in my life. Not, I'm very boring now, but at one point, being very part of that, every single. Uh, like you know trans transsexual i met was this hsts type right like i i remember having i you know i went to used to go to parties where like charlene would perform and charlene always identified as a big titted faggot and like <laughs> you know what i mean there was like like and so like all sort of like the club mavens were always like seemed like they were socialized as gay men and then eventually began to do like body modifications to look more feminine. Like Hari Neff, I felt like was like that. <laughs> Hari Neff used to be a huge um, like nightclub performer, scenester person in New York. Um, so I just, I, I've always drawn that distinction and I think it's like an interesting distinction. Um, because it's like whether you like fully buy into like the Blanchard like distinction like there definitely are like two distinct types and it's like I don't really want to go around and like say like everyone is like a fetishist or you know I feel mean like doing that because like I just don't know if it's true I don't know if like every like non-gay trans person is like you know what I mean I feel like it's kind of like but at the same time there is definitely some kind of very different walks of life people that come to the identity of trans is like definitely real so like when i was looking through the transsexual empire and we read different books obviously but this is a very like thoughts and prayers incident for us us to have read different books but you read the man who would be queen um can you tell us like a little bit about that and then i'll talk a little bit about the transsexual empire Uh, well the man who would be queen was like kind of like 
took like Blanchard's work and like put it into like pop science right and it's like they have these like and it's a very controversial book because like I mean like the the guy's research methods are always criticized because he like went out to gay clubs and would like speak to like the dolls and kind of I think sleep with them I don't know don't quote me on that um but like that's I don't know if that's a smear that like trans activists make but um so like that's a reason they kind of like like to like you know oh this is debunking AGP but like they ba- he basically like has these two core like case studies and one is this little little boy who likes like princess jasmine and kind of just wants to be a girl from when he's a little kid and then it like juxtaposes that with this kind of like a married man who kind of has like this extreme cross-dressing fetish and like builds like a machine to like fuck himself with like it's like older machine kind of it's very like you know body horror kind of weird um, it's like it's a camp book you you know from the title the man who will be queen that it's going to be camp like and I do think if anyone wants to read it they should try but it's very hard to get a hands on a copy yeah it was interesting because like I had to when I was reading through parts of the transsexual empire I couldn't even like buy it anywhere like I had to like find like a pdf Mm. online like there was no like kindle version or like anything like that and I I think it's so funny that these books have been totally memory hold because it's like uh nowadays it's like so um it's like so taboo to even like talk about these things gender right because it's like it's like it questions it like wants to like put actual questioning behind why someone would be something you know what i mean because the narrative now is if you just say you're trans in that moment you're just like trans and there's no question of it at all but like agp and hsts like actually questions the motivations of why someone would be which i think is like a good thing I think we should question everything I think we're serious I don't think I don't understand why that's such an issue but like I guess like I'm very much on this vibe that there's some kind of more sinister kind of corporate psyop thing going on with the trans stuff that's like inflating the numbers way bigger than they actually are um and if, if someone just says they're trans in the moment then literally anyone can be and then automatically you've got a person that's like yeah subservient to like a specific ideology a democrat voter or whatever you know yeah it's interesting and so like that was kind of what i was just wanted to say about all this is like i know like we've had guests on the show um typically women who um have described like one of their early like red pill moments being kind of like related to like, you know, basically being accused of being a turf. Um, and then all of out of nowhere, kind of like before this m- watershed moment, I don't know when it was like a lot of people kind of talk about it, like around 2016 or so, mm-hmm. where like before that, it was sort of like acceptable views, even in the liberal sphere to kind of like, have turf beliefs or whatever mm-hmm. all of a sudden like it switched where like you mm-hmm. were like a trans genocide whatever mm-hmm. um and so that that wasn't my experience like my only um like 
for me, COVID was like the big red pill thing. And then from there, I started kind of just like thinking more about like the whole trans conversation, I guess. Mm. I had never given it much thought before yeah. that. And so like, it, I don't even know that much about like the conversation other than what I'm familiar with is more of it from the perspective, like you were just saying, like from the mm. medical industrial complex kind mm. of, and then how you see it's being pushed on the news and, you know, even like weird, like traditionally kind of conservative institutions, like the military are all of a sudden talking about like, oh, we love trans soldiers yeah. and everything, you know, so that was kind of like my entry into the conversation. So I don't even know much about this stuff. But like, one thing that came to mind, just as you're talking about it is, it doesn't seem to account um, at all for like, like, female to male trans. The, the, um, the Blanchard stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's obviously like, there's a lot less research into that. But like, I know he has this thing called rapid onset gender dysphoria i don't know if you guys know what that is i and, do yeah and it's like he kind of thinks that like you have the kind of hsds types in female to male which is just like butch lesbians who just kind of like become men mm -hmm. and then also you have this other type which is like a social contagion which is like kind of girls just you know demi boy all these kind of weird like not really ever been masculine girls all of a sudden wanting to be trans because young girls are really so susceptible to like social contagions and it's kind of like I mean that's where the clear like epidemic of transness is is in females more than males like I think like like in the UK like our rate of like referrals to the gender identity clinics is like just exponentially risen amongst like females which is really interesting I think and then you got the whole top surgery thing, like, mm -hmm. also, like it's really, it's really scary, and I think it's like bringing people further away from their bodies when they don't necessarily need to. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely witnessed it as someone who works with young, um, you know, like preteens and stuff, and it's like one girl and a group of friends will start saying that they're trans, whether they are saying they, them, or he, yeah. him, whatever, whatever pronoun. And I've heard even as intense as like neo pronouns. Like I had someone who went by like Faye or no leaf, leaf and leaf self. Uh, I had someone <laughs> actually, a kid actually tell me that. So I've, I've seen it all, but like, and, you know, and then it's like suddenly the whole friend group wants to go by a different name and the whole friend group wants to uh, kind of have these new pronouns. Mm -hmm. And like my take on it has always been like, it doesn't seem harmful to like experiment with identity. But I think the problem is, is there's this like insidious like farm pharma, like pharmacy and pharmaceutical industrial complex that swoops in and then tells these, you know, these kids to like go on puberty blockers and to like do all these things that can be really damaging to their bodies over time. Um, and that's where I think that like a lot of people draw the kind of uh, line, I guess I would say. I think so. And it's like, an, um. I mean, it's hard to even, like, criticise, like, anything like that without, like, just having, like, a playoff brand, you know, because, like, I'm, like, still, like, a, a moderate on this issue, like, 
I really do think there's like one side, like the Matt Walsh, Daily Wire people, which are just like, you know, we should erase transsexuality as a concept. Like, I do think that's really harmful and I think that is really bad. But like this other side that are like, you know, they're literally genociding us, you know what I mean? Like both sides are like very, very hyperbolic and it's kind of like, um, I do think there is kind of, like it's not in vogue to be a kind of moderate now though, is it? It's like you, you have to be a kind of dogmatic ideologue because like that's the way you get like clout. That's the way you like, I could tweet now like trans women are con men or like kill all turfs and then it would just go big on the algorithm. But if you put like kind of something in the middle because there is no trans genocide, there's no trans people being killed by the state. They're also just it's not really like that big of a deal on the other side as like, I don't think. What's like, it's like when they say like, all transsexuals are just the same as men. Like I have an issue with that. How they, they kind of think like the dolls should just go in like men's bathrooms all the time. Like I think that is like an absurd position because it's like reality doesn't work that way. Like a lot of the dolls do just like pass and like, live normal lives as women so it's like it's annoying that everyone's so like vitriolic on both sides yeah i've run into that a lot too because like i obviously say things on my feed that people mm-hmm. interpret as transphobic and they like you know you'll if you'll get you'll get cheered on for doing that <laughs> but when i've like when i've come like i <clears throat> I did a thread recently where I was like, basically took kind of like a middle position, which was like, you know, which is like really how I feel that like, there are genuinely people who I think have like their gender. I think gender dysphoria is something that's broadly felt. I've, I've talked about this a lot. Like even people who aren't trans, right? Like when your body is first changing, Mm. it's horrible and you hate what's happening to it (laughs) and you kind of don't want it to be happening for many people. That's how they feel. And, um, I think that that is a type of gender dysphoria that everyone feels. Um, and then I think it gets resolved for most like huge percentage of people like 98% of people that gets resolved with just like time and like kind of coming into your own you know uh physicality or whatever but I I do believe there's a small subset of people like where gender dysphoria is like persistent into adulthood and then I think the question is like well how do you help those people and I think like for some of them you help them by giving them access to these medications and I think that like an adult like a fully informed adult like making a choice to do that there's no reason the state should sanction that because like I mean we let people slice their tongues in half so they have like snake tongues we let we let people like tattoo their entire face like we let you know what I mean like we like like we let people get breast implants we let people get Brazilian butt lifts like we you know like these are all things like these are all body modifications we let people do all the time. Um, and it's kind of like, I I don't think the state should have any vested interest in like stopping adults from doing what they want to do with their bodies. Um, 
So my my stance is always like the kids stuff freaks me out, but like I don't have a problem with adults no. altering, altering their bodies in whatever way they want to. Personally. But I, I think, I mean, it's I, I'm not even really disagreeing with you. I'm just kind of like thinking through it. But like in some sense, like the there are some issues that like, I guess force the state or you know to kind of pick a side in some sense like i don't know like the issue of um what goes on your driver's license for Mm. your sex or you know like um so it's like there's some of these assumptions like okay you want to live life as the um opposite you know sex from what you your anatomy was from birth um does that mean that you are a woman like or you know what i mean like philosophical question of like what is a woman and yeah the most interesting thing of it because it's like it all like hinges on this thing and like i don't know i don't like it's a hard one to answer isn't it it's like i don't know um yeah i i understand what you're saying a and that and that's where a lot of people have that's where I think a lot of people come down to it. It's like most people don't mind any sort of like body modification, but they're like, what do we do about? Yeah. You don't have to use snake tongue pronouns for someone who makes their snake tongue. You know what I mean? It's not like their, their identity or something, you know, it's just like something they've done to their body. But to me, and this is what I don't like about, this is why I'm like so anti-non-binary and they, them pronouns and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Because like, to me, that seems totally fake. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, how do you feel like a they? But when I look at you, Amy, or when I've met other transsexuals in my life, like, I really don't see anything but a woman. And I do think it would be bizarre to not recognize this very small percentage of people that go through these, you know, medical interventions and are passing as the opposite sex. I'm kind of like, if that's happening, I I do think there's a space to accept them as the opposite sex. I think the problem is with like stuff like in the UK, like self ID and things like that. It's like anyone can just, get their driver's license changed. Anyone can have access to female spaces. And that is where I think it gets, and this is actually like, believe it or not, like queen of the turfs, JK Rowling. This is actually her stance. Like JK Rowling, like actually believes that if you go through a full medical transition and you have altered your body and altered your appearance and you are passing as the opposite sex, like she thinks you should have like, you know, access to female spaces and be considered a female. That, that's what she says. Like, I listen to her whole podcast. Like, and, and people think of her as, like, the queen turf. She just has a problem with this idea that, like, there's no barriers to that. You know what I mean? And the self-ID thing, like, just undermines the whole concept. It undermines the word women. It under- undermines the word trans. It's like nothing means anything if it's just based on this reality claim that you make like in the exact moment then what what is the point of it what is the point of anything it's like it's so like deeply offensive and like the idea of like transition is like you transition into something like you become you are a man you become like a woman in very commas you know what i mean or like vice versa you you like you don't just like say you're it and in the moment or like because there's no there's literally no point 
it really does annoy me. It's like, but then it's also like kind of leads to this other issue of okay so then who is the neutral arbiter of who's like authentically trans and who is whatever a uh, grifter or you know what, you go you go first amy because i actually have a take on that so see what I, i'm in i'm in favor of is kind of like just more like rigorous like screening like using Blanchard's typology to like and there's obviously social contagion going on I think like you can curb that the reason so many kids are like identifying as trans is because they've got no community nothing to be excited for so they they become trans and all of a sudden they've got this huge online community that's like I've got pronouns too and it's like that's all they have to care about so they're victims as well they need stuff to like keep them like you know, give them worth so that you could already cut the amount of like people identifying as trans by quite a bit that way. With the AGP HSTS stuff, like there are some people who are young and like AGP that like they're kind of like harmless to women, I think. Like they like AGP is like a sexuality more than a fetish. Like there's a few like that could just like transition and like assimilate into a female role and not really pose much of a threat to Ray Blanchard always said there was like nothing inherently violent in AGPs but I think it's when it gets to like the kind of like 40 year old guys who are kind of like sexed up kind of like you know divorce their wife and leave their kids and just decide they're a woman one day I think it becomes an issue then I think it's like because if you're like whole dysphoria is driven by the idea of like you get a boner at the idea of having a vagina and then you go and get a sex change. Like the the core thing that turned you on, your dick is going to be gone. So I feel like you'd be kind of unhappy. Like, I feel like if we question things more, a lot of it will just go, it'll go back to how it was. Whereas like the, there was a very few transsexuals, mainly HSTS, but there was some AGPs and we were all kind of fine. No one spoke about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I think is fascinating. Like if you look, so, okay, here's my take and I don't really care if people get mad at me for this, but this is my take. I think that I understand like who is the third party arbiter who gets to decide that. Obviously I think there has to be a set of guidelines, right? Mm -hmm. And someone has to come up (laughs) with those set of guidelines. And I think this idea that like online gender ideology people have pushed is like there shouldn't be any guidelines there shouldn't be any barriers like we just believe what people say they are but I disagree with that because before the last 10 years there were a lot of guidelines Mm -hmm. you did have to go you did have to like see a psychiatrist for a certain period of time and you had to live as the opposite sex for a certain period of time and make sure that that's actually really what you wanted. And there was like all this stuff in place and, you know, trans, like the current gender activists, like think that that was horrible, but I actually think that that, that method was working fine because like Amy just said, like for a long time, there was a very, very small number of transsexuals and it wasn't this big American controversy, even as far back as like the fifties and sixties you know like it was like just this very small group of people and like you know it's interesting when you look back I forget her name Christina Jorgensen or something what year was that that was like the 40s I feel like even and she was kind of like I know the media kind of like 
accepted or in a weird way, right? Yeah, they like yeah. So there, I'm not I'm not gonna go look it up and like give everyone the dates, but like she was this transsexual who went to Sweden to get a sex change, and when she came back, conservatives and liberals were not like there was no uproar about it, Mm -hmm. right? It was like this human interest story that was like in Time magazine. And it wasn't this like giant, there was really like literally no controversy about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was just like, this is this interesting experience this one person had and that's it. And that was kind of how it was considered. And no one was thinking about it that much because it was just such a small number of people and to me, I think like the bar, if you ultimately want my bar, it's like if you pass mm-hmm. as the opposite sex, I think that that's the bar, right? And if you, and and, and I hate to say it because that's, people are going to get mad at me for saying that, but like, I just think that, that that's it, right? Like, because I have met people who pass as the opposite sex and mm-hmm. I think that there's very few people that would have or even know that mm-hmm. those people were in you know whatever female only or male only spaces because they're passing so i guess that to to me like passing is the is is the bar and how you define that has to be better defined than just passing but that's that's a little bit how i i feel yeah you have to be fishy you have to kind of (laughs) you you do have to be because it's like people do just like like no one's like hating on Hunter Schaefer, right? No one's kind of sharing Hunter Schaefer's Mugler shoot and being like, this is a male in women's spaces. No. You know what I mean, it's like, it's a natural response in people when they see a kind of like six foot two, like bricky kind of guy who's just like bellowing and like kind of Joel Sargent voice, like demanding, like, it's like, you know, no, no one, like, that's a natural response in people to, like, find that weird. And it's like... It's like the meme where they're like, it's like, it's ma'am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in the day would have just been, like, transvestite cross-dressers. They would have gone out on the weekend while the missus is, like, put on some sexy lingerie or whatever and just had a good time. But, like, they just now just think they're kind of, like, they're just women because they've got a cross-dressing fetish. It's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like because there's no definition because if you have a that fetish it's like you can take it to the next level and you can actually be a woman so it's like it's it's so wild um yeah like i think of like harry neff and i think of like hunter schaefer and like you never ever hear them talked about the way like dylan mulvaney's talked about right like because everyone just is like you know hunter schaefer from euphoria right a like you know yeah 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 no one, there's never any controversy about her. Like no one ever talks about her. And I think it's because she passes. Like she just looks like a woman. So no one ever, ever said anything about it. Scott shared a, vi- a video of Hunter Schaefer and was just like, they, this is coming to women's bathrooms. Like no, no, the, the argument is impossible to make. It's kind of like, doesn't. So yeah, you should just like assess whether you're like kind of, fishy enough to do it and <laughs> just like do it um I do. yeah and if, and if you don't think you can pass I don't I just kind of am like you sh- maybe it's not the right move for you maybe you need to maybe or, you yeah I'll be a, like a transvestite you know it's kind of like <laughs> it's like you know what I mean it's like it's yeah it's um 
yeah, I don't know what else I could like say to them other than that. But it's like obviously- well, that, that's my take. My take is if you can pass, it's it. You, no one's going to worry about it or care, which is generally the truth. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but if you're a 45 year old married man with three kids, thinking mm-hmm. that you're suddenly going to transition, then you're not. So if you have gender dysphoria at that point you really got to work on some other solution. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's just... You also have to think about, like, the, the children as well. Like, kind of, like, your kid is going to have, like... You, like, you know, it's like, I do think you have to consider people around you, especially when you've, like, opted into, like, a marital bond with a woman and you've, like, you've said that you'll be a father to a child and then you kind of, like, change. Like, I do think that's really irresponsible and selfish. I do think it really is. Um, yeah, that's how I feel too. You, you, it can't just be about what you want. It has to be like, are you going to, uh, yeah, are you going to fit in as the gender you're going, you're going toward? And I remember uh, Hunter Schaefer got in a lot of trouble because she kind of came for the they thems. She was yeah. like, she was like. She was like, I'm so fucking sick of like the they thems because she's like someone like me mm. who had, like worked so hard to like transition in this way. And now I have to deal with all these like people who have done nothing to medically transition. And they just, they're just like, they're just like, uh, or that other, that other doll that everyone's talking about now, what's her name? The, uh Kelly Cadigan. Kelly, yeah. Kelly was saying that too. She's like, I don't give a fuck if you misgender me. Like if someone Mm -hmm. calls me he, him, Mm -hmm. it doesn't bother me because like I've done all this other stuff. My my pronouns are not like all that, you know, that I have. But if you're just like someone who does literally nothing to your body or appearance and like I could just go like I'm they, them. Mm -hmm. And just walk around looking exactly like this. And can can we talk about this for a second? Because that's just something I like. I and this might be my cis hetero privilege or whatever showing, but I do not understand the non-binary thing. Like, what what does that mean? Like, what I I really don't know. I don't know what it means either. It can just literally mean anything, which is like the problem with it. Like, <laughs> like if it was like a commitment to androgyny, I'd get it. It's like, mm-hmm. like I do know this one doll from Twitter that says she's non-binary, and she's like, she's like a lot more like she has like better takes than most, but like ninety-nine percent of non-binaries are just like just insane kind of BPD art hoes or whatever, or like kind of just autistic like fairies you know what i mean that's all the community is <laughs> i mean like what i think what what i don't like about it and why i like refuse to acknowledge it and i've actually had people irl get really mad at me about this but i don't really care mm-hmm. um because i'm just like i don't understand what it is it doesn't make any sense and like someone like a like you and your wife a are like the picture of like heterosexuality when you guys are together with like your kids and you two could just be like, we're they thems mm. and like under the current <laughs> doctrine, yeah. you guys should be considered the same as Amy. And that's retarded. That's so <laughs> fucking retarded. <laughs> I think we're doing like a kind of straw man by saying that. Like, but it's we're actually not because like literally yesterday, some guy was like just a guy with like, 
sh- shirtless hairy man like he they was like you know and people were calling me transphobic for saying he's not trans but it's just like it's just a guy it's literally it's like <laughs> it's, it's like what this what do things mean it's like i'm like do you ever get misgendered amy like just out and about ever no um let me try and think no i'm trying to no i literally never do sometimes on twitter i do but like the thing on twitter is like i find it i actually like find it funny being misgendered if someone knows i'm trans because then it's just like an ideological statement so like how can i be annoyed at it right it's like they're just saying they don't think trans women are women it's not personal but if someone in the street was just like called me hey by mistake i'd probably be offended because i'd be like am i like giving man you know what i mean am i like looking manly i'd be more offended if someone did it i I will say (laughs) you post on twitter so people can see but like i'm a 6'2 dude and you are like very very petite i will say that (laughs) so you're you're very and i'm around a lot of i i hang out with mostly women so i'm used to towering over um all my girlfriends but what do you think about I'm just and then we'll move on to eyes wide shut but I, I I've really appreciated your like forthcomingness during this but like what do you think about like I remember Chimamanda Adichie got in trouble for saying trans women are trans women mm-hmm. and like I respect that like how do you feel because like I feel like the slogan trans women are women has been really damaging but I'm wondering what your take on that is I, I don't really mind I was like what what is wrong with that like I kind of like it to be like trans women are women in inverted commas, right? We're like honorary women and a kind of like the, the dolls are kind of like women. They're not like technically like the same as women, but like we like exist in the same spheres as them. We have like, um, I, I like trans women are women, but there's quotes. Yeah. Why can't we just like be our own thing? I don't really feel like we have to like take this like, say we're exactly it's the hill they really want to die on as well it's like which is also an agp thing by the way it's like the idea of being affirmed as a woman like you have to have everyone that's like agp behavior like red flag that's what basil says basil says that which i know you talk to him too but basil says that uh basil says that part of the fetish for them is being affirmed Mm -hmm. exactly yeah that's something they like need yeah it's like I saw like like I was looking for like males of reddit twitter and I was like I saw this one that was like they get a boner every time someone uses their female name I was like <laughs> what, what have we got to <sighs> Uh, well, I don't want to make you. I don't want to make you be the. Do you have any more questions about trans? I kind of like speaking about it because it's like not often I get to actually like articulate how stupid it sounds in real <laughs> life, and I'm like, yeah. Um, and I think obviously this is a juicy concept. Like people love talking about it because it is got it's Freudian. It's kind of it's weird. It's kind of men becoming women. It's all kind of and you've got AGP and gays and stuff. It's like. I think it's like it's not a tiring subject when you talk about it in these terms it's just more tiring when it's just like empty slogans and no nothing reasonable to say but I think we're having a good chat I think we've got yeah and and, yeah no I mean and I just wanted to say too like I am not I don't know like I I of course, do not support any like violence or discrimination against any group of people, regardless of like what 
pronouns or whatever if they believe in pronouns and like i i would made a joke about chick-fil-a like homophobia being a good thing i don't you know like i love so many gay people i don't i, I want them to be able to get married and everything that was a joke but um yeah like it, it just the whole it to me it just seems like a manufactured controversy Mm. And like what like kind of what your take what seemed to be is like there's a certain subset of people who just like basically feel this way and ha could have their own kind of subculture and just basically go on unnoticed living their lives as they mm. want to. And that just seems like the the way that it should be. But then mm -hmm. it's like stuff like the non-binary everything. To me, that seems almost like a way of kind of trying to bring more people into the fold and get them on board with this whole idea that like you their gender is fake and what can be whatever you want it to be and just kind of like um it's not like, like gender is fake because it's like they don't even like subvert gender roles they just say a word yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like or even things like putting on you're supposed to put your pronouns in your bio or in your zoom thing even if you're like me like i i just am a straight like cis man it's just like why do why should i put he him in my bio it just doesn't well some chinese these days put in like less ethnically feminine than you do <laughs> i actually got in a i you reminded me of two things a first off i thought a's point that you've made before on the podcast is true and as a like sodomite, faggot, gay, whatever you want to call me myself, I, I don't understand this weird urge to center all of us because <laughs> I don't want to be centered. I want to exist in a subculture that's cooler than the straight people. <laughs> and I want to be, I want to get all the things that existing in that subculture gets me, like maintaining being in an artistic community for much longer in my life than people who have kids. And I want to live in like a big city and I want to smoke cigarettes on a sidewalk in Manhattan. Like I want to like maintain my like that's what I think you get by existing in the subculture. So I don't, I don't understand this push LGBTs have to center us. Like, why do we need to be centered? Like, let us have our cool subculture. Like, just don't like bomb a gay club. But like, as long as like that's not happening, I'm like fine with us existing in a subculture. I think that's cool. So that's yeah. one thing I wanted to say. Um, and I think it makes us cooler and that's what we get. We don't get the comforts of heterosexuality, but we get to be cooler. So yeah. but why yeah, why are they <laughs> like meet Joe Biden and shit? Why is that like <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't want any of that shit. No. <laughs> it's like I love I love like yeah, like I said, Hunter Schaefer's Mugler thing. I think that's really good. I genuinely feel really great every time I see it. And I'm like, you know, she's serving cunt, she's doing what dolls should do. She's there. And obviously Mugler had like used so many like trans and drag queen models like back in the day anyway. It's like a really nice homage. Um, and I like, you know, the representation in Euphoria again. This is like a two for Hunter Schaefer, but that's like a really authentic portrayal of like the relationship between like men and 
transsexuals, right? With like Nate and Hunter Schaefer. So it's like, that's really good. But like, no one ever want to talk about that shit. Like, no, like everyone just want to talk about like this really abstract notion that's just like, it's like, I, li- I like Ethel Kane as well. Like she, she's trans. Yeah, I didn't even know she was trans when I first started listening to music. Why I was like, but like, but other than that, like, I don't want any more kind of like NATO CIA kind of vaccine propagandists like trannies like <laughs> telling me what it means to be trans. You know what I mean? Rachel Levine, the big like Joe Biden like brick secretary, like she can get to fuck. Like I hate her. She's awful. Actually, a we we and uh Amy and I bonded a lot over our mutual um takes on NATO. And Mm -hmm. you actually you actually gave me something, Amy, that I've used because like with my lib friends, I'm constantly trying to red pill them on Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And you you gave me a talking point I've used a couple times. I'm like, imagine if Russia made Mm -hmm. a fake coup happen in Mexico mm. and installed a like pro-Russian president in mm. Mexico. I'm like, what what do you think the US would do? Mm. They're like, well that's not what happened in the Ukraine. And I'm like, that is what happened in the Ukraine. <laughs> and the US would absolutely invade Mexico. That would be the immediate move if one of our border states was being run by like a pro-Russian so I don't know I just you gave me you gave me one of my uh, new talking points and attempting to red pill uh, but it's true though it's true it's like but like the people just haven't read a history book in their lives it's like Camille Pogli would say kind of like they just like completely like they just read about Russia Ukraine in like like when it came up on an infographic and it of course on the surface it looks like Russia's an unprovoked aggressor if you go with the corporate media narrative but it's like it's a lot more complicated than that and I'm not like just a Russia apologist or anything but it's like it's clearly like it's like a war that's like innocent Ukrainians are dying for like no reason because there could have just been a negotiation and it would have been like normal yeah I didn't mean to totally change it. No, I mean, the Ukraine thing is crazy. I kind of can't. It's like the laziest propaganda that I've ever. But I guess I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, unless you have the context of understanding that everything is fake, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think to to question it. But yeah, like Putin is the next Hitler. And it's just, you know, it's a little bit cartoonish, I guess. It's work though, isn't it? It's like everyone like completely by like it's bipartisan here. Like both parties want to uh, arm Ukraine indefinitely. Whereas like But like I don't know, is it like the left? Are they behind like Ukraine? I don't really know. Like they definitely are in the US. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I think it's just each each side has their own little spheres that were there you know i don't know the biden stuff with uh mm-hmm. but i i think both sides because there are th- i i don't even know i mean we can go down the ukraine rabbit hole forever but mm-hmm. like obviously there's just the energy stuff um yeah. and and i don't know there's all these like bio labs i guess in ukraine yeah. so 
I guess both sides would be interested in that. I forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I thought like the left was supposed to be like anti-war and shit, like kind of, and like anti, like it's the same with the COVID stuff, right? It was like, they just like assimilated into like the corporate media narrative again. It's like, but like, well, yeah, and but then it's like anti-war, yes, but the framing of the issue has been such that it's like, well, you're not pro-war, you know, you're just helping Ukraine like defend mm-hmm. themselves because the yeah, know, whatever. So it's like, I mean, even like the the most red pill moment, if you want one, is like AOC being like, we need to like, I mean, not that I ever believed her, but I'm like, come on, like you're supposed to be this like ultra left-wing like alternative to all this bullshit and now you're like you know um you're 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 sending arms <laughs> you're you're an arm dealing to the ukraine <laughs> but wait let's bring it let's let's bring it let's bring a fun thing in before we do um before we do eyes wide shut uh did you guys see the dalai lama kissing that boy no, <laughs> no i, I heard i heard about the the something with the Dalai Lama, but no, I haven't seen the photo. The Dalai Lama in this video, and I, I actually had to turn the video off because it was upsetting me so much, but he kisses this little boy on the lips and then sticks his tongue out and says, suck my tongue. Whoa. Audibly. What the fuck? Is it like a deep fake or something? I mean, I don't know. The Dalai it's not Lama because video. he apologized. Wow. What was it like a of people in front of the Dalai Lama is like a deep state operative. Mm -hmm. It was definitely in front of the crowd, but this is why I thought it would be a good segue to Eyes Wide Shut because it was like a mask off moment. It was like, it was like, oh shit. I was like, they are all pedophile elites, you know, like it's, (laughs) you know, the whole thing about like China, like kidnapping the real Dalai Lama as a baby. Are you aware of this? Yeah. That's like a thing. And so like, there, this, there's this whole thing where, like, there's this other guy, the Dalai something, who, like, senses who will be the next Dalai Lama, identifies okay. them, like, as a baby. Mm. And when they did that, like, the last time, um, China just, like, kidnapped the baby, <laughs> like, disappeared <laughs> the baby. So the current Dalai Lama is, like, fake. <laughs> Oh, it's like it's like Paul McCartney or something. Uh-huh. It's like, but it, I don't think that's even like a conspiracy thing. I think you can like. It's true. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I'm, let me just go and get some water real quick. No problem. Um. Yeah. No, I don't. The whole Dalai Lama thing is is I, that was a crazy video. I was like, what the fuck. Um. I guess I'll people on people asked me to while Amy's doing this. People asked me to recap a little bit of Sallow. Do you mind if I do that real Go quick? For it. So I finally watched Sal. I'm just gonna do a quick recap of Sallow, and this will actually still lead into Eyes Wide Shut. But um, people asked me to talk about it in excruciating detail, uh, so I'll I'll do it like a five minute. But I finally watched. Have you seen it, Amy? I have seen it, yeah. Okay, so I finally watched Sallow. Thank you to the Twitter Anons who got me the link because I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Um, (laughs) I had to fast forward it through it twice. I was not going to watch the shit-eating scenes, guys. I'm sorry. 
Um, I wasn't going to do that. I refused to watch anything scat related. So um, yeah, I guess I just don't have the stomach that you guys have. But um, (laughs) basically my take on it was it's insane. I can't believe it's, it makes me feel the same way I felt when I watched cruising that I can't believe the seventies was this lit with, uh, what they were making film wise. And now we can't even have a movie where someone like says a slur because the seventies, man, they were just like, and I know they were not checking IDs for all those kids that they were raping in that movie. I mean, not actually raping, but you know, I was like, there was no intimacy coordinator on the set of Sallow. Let me tell you that. Um, but yeah, I guess recapping it is a little much, um, even though you asked for an excruciating, but I'll tell A about it just to gross him out. So basically, it's like these four Italian aristocrats take this group of teenagers, half men and half women, to this like estate and they like sadomasochistically abuse them over the course of like two months. And the first one, the first segment is called, and there's these three old prostitutes who are like telling stories of their past. Um, So the first one is called the circle of manias. The second one is called the circle of shit. And the third one is called the circle of blood. Um, And they do like all these insane rituals. They make all the, the kids like bow down and they inspect their asses to find the best ass. And then they decide to kill the kid with the the best ass. It's all so crazy. And the only rules in the like compound are you can only have anal sex. You can't have vaginal sex because that's like the, the, the whole thing is like, they want to reach like the height of depravity and there's like multiple shit eating scenes. Um, it's just the whole thing was insane. Um, and then at the end, they like kill a bunch of the kids in this like really sadomasochistic ways, like burning off their nipples and like oh cutting their God. tongues off and stuff like that. Um, and there's tons of full frontal nudity. You do see buttholes. It's like it's like the most graphic thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but my take was just kind of like. My take was just like, again, after I watched Cruising, I felt the same way. I just was like, I cannot believe that we're at a point in our culture where like, you can't make anything transgressive. Whereas in this like, arguably like, more uh, uptight time, you could make these like, really transgressive films. So band though, it was it wasn't what the kind of surely it did. I don't know. What? Did it get banned at the time? Like, oh, it's banned in like 40 countries. Yeah. So it's, like, it, it's like banned everywhere. <laughs> so I guess it still is kind of like a victim of like the censorship regime. But like, but I guess now you like a film like that wouldn't even come into fruition, right? It wouldn't even like be kind of... Um, no, my friends who are actors talk about intimacy coordinators and stuff. You couldn't intimacy coordinator the scenes they were doing. It was like, it was, it was just, there would be no like way to like film this, you know, like people had to be willing to be like deeply uncomfortable with, uh, you know, what was happening. And a lot of the actors apparently did break down and cry and they can only do like one 
like set at a time. And like I said, like, I do think these people were probably like barely of age, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, I'm sure, but like, yeah, like they could never have made something like that now, but it reminds me, I guess it like, it reminded me of it while you were getting water because I feel like eyes wide shut is kind of like a contemporary sallow, but obviously extremely watered, watered down. Kind of like influenced by like Pasolini, I would say, in like some some ways. Um, it, Eyes Wide Shut is so weird. Like, I, it's like my favorite movie, but I still like just don't fully understand it. I don't think. I don't think like, <laughs> the thing with like most Kubrick movies, like my most like male brain trait is like I just watch like two hour long videos about Kubrick films like all the time I'm just like obsessed with Stanley Kubrick um I'm obsessed with it too but what got you posting about it recently because I had so much fun re-watching it this morning and I I only I only suggested it because you were posting about it is it just do you like generally love it or yeah it's, it's my it's my favorite movie I'd say but like I've just been going through all of his films recently I watched Barry Lyndon in the cinema and then I saw um 2001 space odyssey and then i saw clockwork orange and then i i actually haven't watched eyes wide shut for a while but i've seen it like 20 or 30 times i'm like i'm obsessed with it um did you watch the moon landing um yeah that's his best movie that was his (laughs) best one um have you guys seen the um room 237 documentary about the shining i have actually i haven't but I, yeah, I love The Shining. Yeah. I do love The Shining. I think what I love, so my my eyes, the reason I've, I've probably, I haven't watched as much as you, but I've watched Eyes mm-hmm. Wide at least 12 times. Mm-hmm. And like what I love about it, first off, I think it's the best Christmas movie that exists. Mm-hmm. And I do consider it a Christmas movie. I love that it's set in New York during Christmas. And um, London. Huh? Shot in London, but set in New York. I know, I know, I know. It's I, I, I. You know, it's funny because like I like I, I didn't know that until you just said that. But I always, I actually thought maybe Montreal because I, I feel like you can always kind of tell when it's like there's allegedly shooting in New York, but like New York has such a distinct feel that it's like always kind of obvious when they're when they're not actually in New York, but um. I just love it because I like like Amy. I watched it for the first time when I was like eleven. Um, definitely because I was like a horny kid, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's like nudity in here!" And I can like you get to see some like men's butts. Like you know, I was always looking for like the slightest sliver of like some homosexuality, and um, and I still to this day couldn't really tell you like what it's about. Like it completely leaves like the mystery unresolved. Mm. I have like no idea like what really was happening or what like the audience is supposed to believe is happening. But I thought it was interesting to talk about for our pod because it's definitely like satanic mm. elites is mm. like the vibe of the film. And I we've talked a lot on here about like revelation of the method. And I'm just kind of like, what, like, like, what purpose do you think? Like, do you, okay, first off, do you think that, like, films like this are revelation of the method? Um, and if they are, like, what do you think the purpose of, like, releasing yeah, it? Revelation of the method. Mm. You haven't heard that? No, no. Oh, okay. interesting. I was taught it. Because it's definitely applicable to this film. Okay, yeah. <laughs> explain it. 
because the can, viewers, you, can you explain it? A, I feel like a straight yeah. guy. Will I mean, I, I, I'm really no expert on this either, but um, there's this guy, Michael Hoffman, who is like that's kind of the person who I'm most like familiar with this concept from reading. Um, but it's kind of, he writes a lot about like this whole occult kind of, um, Mm. secret society, like religion, I guess that is in his view, kind of, um, the foundation of like the, whatever, uh, elite kind of, um, secret Mm. powers that be, um, and that it's about kind of um, has its roots in the enlightenment, like um, alchemy and stuff. But that alchemy was not actually about processing like metals into gold. It was actually more like um, transforming like society and like thought. Um, so part of that the processing that like the people who are not privy to this secret knowledge is them kind of like revealing um how they are secretly governing and like oppressing everyone (laughs) as a form of sort of like ritual humiliation i guess and conditioning us to like accept the idea that these things are happening and there's nothing we can do about it basically (laughs) okay so the fact that people don't reveal themselves so then there's like exam basically like a lot of like um hollywood content like films including like um uh eyes wide shut is kind of showing giving us a glimpse into what these elite like secret societies do and how they operate and how they're in but without um in such a way that like we just then begin to kind of internalize that and don't question it and just think okay well like i guess this is what's happening again i I can't even really speak that eloquently on it but like what are some examples that we've talked about on here before q maybe that would like bohemian grove and for instance like the kind of alex jones video of like is it well i think like so like revelation of the method is like okay so like this is i don't know if this is a real example but people were talking about it when like the balenciaga Mm -hmm. controversy happened right it's like or like the what was that guy who had all the weird ass pictures on his wall uh oh john John podesta you mean john podesta right like all the john podesta like photos of all these kids like with their like inner innards cut out like (laughs) you know like all over his house or like um the movie I just watched. So like I just, yesterday I went and saw how to blow up a pipeline, which is a movie about like a group of like eco terrorists that like blow up a pipeline, which they're releasing two weeks after or two years after like people weren't able to halt the Dakota pipeline. So it's kind of like, maybe that's a bad example, but basically it's like, they say like, you know, they, they release these things that are basically like telling on themselves. And then by doing logs for instance would you say that comes in it like say it again 
like Epstein's flight logs. Would you yeah, say? the Epstein flight, the whole Epstein thing mm-hmm. in general. It's like it's Killing like the- him in prison publicly mm-hmm. and then claiming it's suicide or whatever. You yeah. know, right? It's like all these things are like, yeah. So like all these things are basically ways of controlling the opposition by giving people like just a little bit you know and there's I mean? even things like um you'll uh, people talk about with like illuminati like hand signals and stuff and there'll be all these photos mm-hmm. of like lady gaga with her eye one eye covered like that's stuff like that is supposedly all in with this this kind of like symbology that is leaking these like mm. kind of occult ideas into the public consciousness okay um so is kubrick like kubrick like complicit in well so this is like where it gets really like schizo because like so our friend Poolhouse like would say mm. that like kubrick doesn't have to be complicit because you know, with MK Ultra, and we're getting really deep now, Amy. So <laughs> but like with MK Ultra and all of these like kind of government, like mind control things, like really, like you don't actually need very many people to like know that they're doing these things. You can kind of just like, um, you know, subtly influence them to make a film like Eyes Wide Shut, um, and then like turn them off or like you know uh or you can like but they killed him they yeah killed well him. that's what i was gonna say that that's was the this thing, thing like, yeah. <laughs> like right after turning in the the film to the mm-hmm. studio or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. right so it's like so it's like it's either like yeah it's either like they don't actually have to realize they're part of it or they do know they're part of it and then they're quickly like dispensed of i mean pasolini was also murdered mm-hmm. um, three weeks after he did the final cut of Sallow, for instance, could easily be considered another revelation of the method film. So yeah. And like, certainly if you believe, which I I don't even know myself what I believe about this, but like, if you believe that he did in fact, like film the moon landing and stuff, then, you know, it's not, it seems plausible that he could have been like in on it or whatever. I I actually don't think he did. uh, Like, I, I, I think, I think Kubrick is like just operates on such a higher level than like kind of any other artist. Like I just don't think like all of his movies to me are like truly like transgressive of like everything that's bad about the way we live and like the system we live under. And like he was constantly at odds with like the media, the state, you know, he made Dr. Strange love and he got like branded as a kind of communist because he was kind of against the Cold War. And then Clockwork Orange got banned because it was like promoting violence to like kids. Like, um, and then obviously he made Eyes Wide Shut. And then there was this like huge like row about all the footage he had in it. And then he just kind of died randomly. I don't really think he's complicit in a kind of, I think that like the sexual abuse of the elites element is there in Eyes Wide Shut on the surface, but I think it tries to say a bit more than just, this is just like Epstein, you know what I mean? This is kind of like, I think what Eyes Wide Shut says to me is like sexual abuse like exists on like a mass scale in terms of like the pedophilic elite, but it exists in a symbiotic way 
on like a macro level with like the everyday people every woman in that film is kind of like a sex worker of some kind or like there's some kind of like the dominica this the prostitute woman who sleeps with him the kind of young girl that kind of works as the her dad works in the fancy dress shop and he kind of like pimps her out so there's like chinese guys right. and then like nicole kidman's character is kind of defined by like she has to be with tom cruise to like live this like bourgeois life and i think that's what he's trying to say with the film as well as like i mean he's obviously getting at that stuff as well but i think it has like i yeah i don't think he's trying to like normalize kind of i don't know well i don't think it's about normalizing it it's just like if you know like if you if you make this if you make this film that's like there is a conspiracy of elites like uh, engaging in these activities, but it's like you make it a film, you make it a joke, uh, mm-hmm. you make it a, you make it seem like, oh, this is such a crazy thing. Then it's like when there are, I'd shut and think that because whenever you watch a Kubrick movie, I always feel like you're being told this is more than just what's on screen. Like you watch The Shining, and it's not just about a load of. A, a family in a haunted house it's about like a lot more um and i think when you watch eyes wide shut you don't just think oh it's crazy what they were up to i think you do think like this is something that feasibly could happen you know do you not think no i think eyes wide shut wait you don't think it's something that could feasibly happen i think it does i don't think people like watch it and then go like oh that's just fiction i think it's like it's clearly trying to tell you it's got a message to tell you like i think Yo, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying- I don't think like- most people come away watching that and being like, oh, like our the ruling class is having these like masked occult ritual like orgies, you know, <laughs> mm. you know, I think it's supposed I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's like um, I think you're right that like. It is, I don't know. I mean, I think it kind of depends on what perspective you come into it with. Like, you're already online posting schizo stuff about whatever, you know. Mm. So, yeah, maybe you're more inclined to, like, come into it with thinking that, oh, like, this is, like, plausible, you know. Oh, what you think a normal person could just think, like, oh, (laughs) nothing in real life. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think, like, I don't think that, like, yeah, we're more, like, you know, we're like weirdos. So like we're more inclined to be like But the the film itself is so off putting. It's not like the Hollywood version of it, right, would be like Tom Cruise goes back into the party and he just like arrests everyone and kind yeah. of <laughs> all the girls and that's kind of it. But it doesn't tell you anything. It just kind of like meanders out. He doesn't he just basically gets told like don't engage with this. Yeah. It will kill you. And then Stanley Kubrick dies. So it's like, <laughs> I feel like, I do like think like, us three is like schizo-brained kind of online people aren't the only people that would just be like, there's something more going on with this film than it's just like, it's just a scary movie. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I just think most people are really stupid. But I mean, I love the film because it's so ambiguous. I had never made that connection that like basically every woman in the film is like 
arguably a sex worker of some kind, even yeah. Nicole Kidman, you know, because like all she has to do is like lay around that like fabulous apartment and like smoke <laughs> weed. It's like nothing else really like to do. It's also hilarious because like just thinking about what's happened to doctors <laughs> in the last 20 years, it's like a doctor now could not sustain that type of <laughs> lifestyle no, no. that they <laughs> that like four thousand square foot like upper west side apartment i mean like, i think that might be a little bit of hollywood magic or whatever too yeah i mean that apartment is definitely like a hedge fund manager apartment not a not a doctor <laughs> apartment it's funny I, yeah well i was just thinking about that too like um there's that scene where they're like smoking a joint in the bathroom or whatever at their apartment. I was like, was that like a thing that like doctors did in the nineties? Was that like a different, I don't know. That was like hard for me to imagine. I thought that was supposed to be like, this couple is like cool. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know like what to make of that. Like, <laughs> I think, like bourgeois like normie couples probably smoked weed more than we i mean certainly today because it's basically like they're giving it out for free but i think like even even then like in the past probably more of them did it than you'd think you know especially especially in like new york they weren't living in like suburban like iowa like socialize you know they're kind of like yeah, yeah. I, I, I love how like Tom Cruise's character is always just like gaslighting her and saying she's just crazy because of the pod kind of like <laughs> like so funny it's like <clears throat> but can we appreciate how good like Nicole Kidman looks in that film I was about to say that her body is so incredible in it um, it's sad that we don't get any like any nudity of Cruise at all really but Nicole Kidman's body is like in the sex party keeps his Kit on, doesn't it? I know. You don't even get like a slight like image of butt or whatever, but Nicole Kidman is like it's like full bush out. Um and she looks she looks amazing. I mean, I don't know what level of I'm sure you're partially born with that, but I don't know what workout routine gets you to look like that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a that's an intense body. E diet. Huh? Hollywood E D diet. Yeah. of course yeah i'm sure she like barely eats but... i think it's a combination yeah of like genetics and like working out constantly and not eating anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah there were also some funny moments too in that with the smoking stuff because there's also a scene of her like sitting at her kitchen table smoking cigarettes and i was like would this woman smoke inside of her apartment with her child there? Like there, there was just some funny, like that. I, I believe that is a theme of the film. There is kind of like the neglect of children, right? Is like they're not that no one focuses on the kid. Like just because, mm-hmm. like I don't know how many videos about it you've watched, but it's like I'm obsessed with that end scene where it's kind of like basically like the, the daughters in the like the mall and like she's going to like pick up barbies or something and she kind of like goes off into the distance and like two men go near her and like people think that's like she gets adopted by like a sex cult at the end of the film like people really dissect this film like to like Hmm. yeah i they they do kind of live like modern day aristocrats in the sense that they like don't seem to take care of their child in any meaningful way. 
<laughs> they sort of like outsource the child, the child, uh, the child care, which I think is the, you know, that's the way to do it if you can do it. But <laughs> and we also forget that like <clears throat> all the, the crazy stigma against cigarettes and smoking is relatively recent. Like yeah. there, the smoking bans only started in indoor smoking bans, like mid two thousands or something. So yeah, I guess that's true. Like the lips to the cigarettes. <laughs> Not in France. I was FaceTiming with my friend in France and she just like literally lit up a cigarette in the middle of her apartment and I was like, What are you doing? And she's like oh, because it'd be like just like it sticks so bad, right? The kind of like if it, it feels good when you're doing it and then like I don't know. Yeah, I mean I, I personally probably wouldn't smoke regularly in my own home mm. for that reason <laughs> but um yeah and you've got, you got babies so i feel like it would be kind of right um, well you know whatever we can talk there secondhand yeah. smoke is it real yeah. is it not um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you but, smoke weed downstairs though right or do you go outside uh, if you i do i do smoke weed inside but i feel <laughs> weed is not as sticky the smell like it it it'll smell for maybe a few hours or something mm. it's kind of gone. yeah i would love to smoke inside i mean i just miss the days because i'm sure there was a day i'm sure there was a time period like in the 60s or whatever where like you didn't notice the smell because everywhere smelled like smoking inside uh-huh. that's what i that's what i would want i don't want to just like randomly smoke in my apartment now because i would really notice it and it would be really obvious but i miss the time period where probably just everywhere smelled like smoke that would have been the time to smoke inside yeah. that would <laughs> I mean, it was like, seriously, you could smoke in hospitals, you could smoke on airplanes, you could, I mean, it was like, that I was mean, when I was in college, there was still like one bar, because uh, in Texas, you could still smoke inside pretty much all the way through college, but lots of like individual places had banned it. But there was like one bar near my school where you could smoke inside. And I loved smoking inside when I was there. I think bars need to be like, you need to be able to smoke. Like, a, yeah, a bar should be able to say, okay, we don't allow smoking here. But to me, a bar should be able to allow smoking in, indoors I agree. if they want. Can you smoke any at any bars in the UK? Probably not. No, no, not at all. We're like super strict on like absolutely nowhere, I think. But you had a chiller COVID, right? UK. You guys didn't have as intense as, as we did. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> as you have COVID right now. <laughs> I think it, it depends on the state because like, I mean, I don't know because like, yeah, we were kind of locked down. But like, I remember when I first came to New York, it was in like January of last year. And they were like making you like scan your qr code to a vaccine card to get into mcdonald's and shit or whatever yeah. and i was like this is like weird like we never had anything like that we had like the qr code for like clubs and that was it we didn't have it for like shops or yeah. yeah and i think it was just different like it's hard to come kind of compare like it seems like um masks were not as much of a thing in the uk whereas like here if you were in like a blue like a like a liberal city like they like mask mandates anywhere you went yeah you could feasibly just not wear a mask and not get like lib mauled you know like mm-hmm. you'd be like kind of you were supposed to wear them in shops but you didn't have to wear them on the street i mean 
even if you went with the COVID narrative, like what's the point in wearing them in the street? Is like <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts? We're kind of we're kind of getting close to our end time. Anything? Any um, final, final feelings? No, I'm. Um, I was just gonna say because my voice is starting to finally tire out. This has been like an exercise. <laughs> keep um to keep keep talking but i think i've done well yeah no, it's a, really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, just talking to us and no it's been really fun it's really good to speak to you guys um i like i'm sure i'll definitely speak to you again and like some well obviously we'll always speak to but you know what i mean i'm sure like do you guys ever see each other in irl we live in different cities, but we do. I, I yeah. we, we do sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But hit me up when you're in New York. I am. I'm going to be there in May filming. So yeah, hit me up. Yeah, I would, I would love to go out. Okay, let's do it. All yeah. right, guys, follow Fagatron at, at Basic Chanel, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, Ciao, ciao. All right, bye. 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 bye.